Hey there, Filled With Messages friends. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm Ruth Farrell, and amongst other things, I'm the lead pastor at St. Peter United Church of Christ in Lake Zurich, Illinois. I have friends who for years have lived in the tiniest house. It's a sweet home, but it is really too small for two people. This couple loves to welcome folks into their home, to love on them with food, conversation, and a listening ear. But their tiny house has made this a challenge. Recently, they began praying for the opportunity to buy a bigger house where they could host and bless others. Within a month of starting their house hunt, they found, purchased, and started moving into a home with lots of space and a pool and hot tub. When I saw pictures of the closing on social media recently, I texted to say how happy I was for my friends. Surprisingly, because I thought they'd be too busy moving, they called to say thank you and catch up. For over two hours, we talked about everything from paint chips to shared memories from decades past and all the things in between. Hanging up long after my normal bedtime, I reflected on how lovely it is to listen and to be truly listened to. We often connect so shallowly with others through social media or a quick wave by the mailbox. But connecting deeply with others who are trustworthy is so important to our well-being. Connecting deeply with others helps us weather life storms. It helps us feel hopeful. It helps keep our brains nimble and curious. It's not just other humans with whom we need to connect deeply. It's also really important for our well-being for us to listen to and be listened to by God. Yet often our connections with God tend to be pretty shallow. Often they're more like leaving a review than having an hours-long conversation with a good friend. How can we deepen our listening to and being listened to by God so that our relationship with God can help us weather life storms, revive our hope, and keep us nimble and curious about how God is inviting us to live and move and breathe in our lives? Hear these words from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1-9. through nine. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our hearts, our minds, our bodies to hear you speaking to us today. Words of life and hope and peace and connection. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today's scripture reading was from the book of Deuteronomy, which takes place in the month prior to the end of the Israelites wandering in the desert and moving into the promised land. The word Deuteronomy means second law. 
By the way, if you're speaking to a Jewish person about this book, they might not recognize that title. It has a different name in Hebrew. Deuteronomy earned its name because it is the second time the Israelites are given the law and offered the opportunity to make a covenant with God. Things hadn't gone very swimmingly since God gave the Israelites the law the first time. In some ways, you can't blame them. If you had been homeless, wandering around a desert for 40 years, you'd probably be pretty grumpy too. But along with their grumpiness, the Israelites made some pretty lousy choices. They hadn't kept the promises they made to God, even though God kept the promises God made to them. The goal of giving and receiving the law a second time was to help sure up their relationship with God as they started this new life in their new homeland, which we often call the promised land. To our modern ears, firming up a relationship through a law doesn't sound very relational. Some biblical scholars would suggest that we think of the law as a contract, but that doesn't sound any more warm and fuzzy, at least to me. Technically, don't worry, I'm not going to get into all the ancient Near Eastern history here because it will make your eyes glaze over quick. Technically, God and the Israelites are making something called a covenant. The closest thing we have today is the promises a couple make to each other when they are married. Promises to be faithful to each other no matter what. Promises to be there for each other no matter what. Promises to be true to each other no matter what. Promises made and grounded in love. Just as marriage vows can be broken, a covenantal relationship can be broken too. Deuteronomy, the second law, was given in two parts. Part A, many of us learned as little ones in Sunday school. It's just the Ten Commandments. When I was a teenager at Bible camp, we had this ropes course where you hop through tires while listing the Ten Commandments. Let me just say that did not help me feel warm and fuzzy about that list of rules. The second half of the second law, today's scripture text, is called the Shema. Shema is just the Hebrew word for hear or listen. The prayer is central to Jewish theology and is prayed twice a day, once in the morning and once at night, by observant Jews. The Shema is not just key to Jewish theology, though. It is also key to Christian theology, because Jesus reiterated and emphasized these words. An important Jewish teacher asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus answered, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, love God wholly. Love God with all of your being. Don't hold anything back. Put everything you have into your relationship with God. But what does that mean? What does it look like in practical, everyday terms? If we go back to Deuteronomy and look at the Shema in its immediate context, which Jesus and his original audience knew well, we're given a list of things to do that will help us love God wholly. Teach our children about loving God. Talk about loving God when we're sitting and walking and lying down. Tie the Ten Commandments around our forearms and foreheads to remind us to love God and write them on the door frames of our houses and gates. Side note, you may have seen observant Jews tie black boxes around their foreheads and forearms when they pray. The boxes are called tefillin and are worn because of this verse. You may also have seen decorative boxes attached to the door frames of Jewish houses. They're normally rectangular, but they can be in other shapes too. 
Those boxes are called mezuzah, and in them are slips of paper, which have today's scripture text and another passage from Deuteronomy on them. They are there in order to fulfill this commandment to write these laws on door frames. Is the only way to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength to do the things listed in Deuteronomy? No. Interpreting the Bible literally is pretty hard, and applying it literally is, quite frankly, impossible. Deuteronomy came into being approximately 3,000 years ago, and while we certainly have many things in common with the humans for whom this book was originally intended, our world is also very, very different. Deuteronomy's list of ways to practice holy loving God isn't prescriptive, it's descriptive. The author of Deuteronomy, and Jesus by inference, aren't making a list of the only ways to holy love God, or the right ways to holy love God. They're showing us that loving God should be a part of our everyday lives. They're inviting us to make our relationship with God a priority. That can happen in so many different ways. It might happen through spending time in scripture. It might happen through conversations with trusted friends. Might happen in our beds when we're having trouble sleeping in the middle of the night and we pray. Might happen while we're driving down the road to the next appointment and we see a tree in all its autumnal splendor and give thanks to God for the beauty of this season or any other season. While holy loving God is just simply finding ways of including love of God in our everyday lives, holy loving God is just simply making sure God isn't at the bottom of our priority list. Holy loving God is remembering to do more than check in with God with the equivalent of a text message, but to connect with God in deep ways too. What's one little way you can connect more deeply with God? Recently, as I was reading scripture, a phrase, a snippet of something Jesus said, jumped out at me. I've been rolling it around in my brain and wanting to keep it close. But to be honest, I can pretty easily forget things if they're not in front of me. So I made a graphic out of it and made it the wallpaper on my phone. Now, when I look at my phone, which I do approximately a million times a day, perhaps at least some of the time, this phrase will draw my attention and reconnect me to God. You might not have the technical know-how to make special wallpaper for your phone. Again, descriptive, not prescriptive. But I do hope you'll be intentional about finding ways to connect more frequently and deeply with God. To have your love for God not just be something that happens on Sundays or when you're in a pinch, but something that is flowing throughout all the moments of your life. I'm so honored that you spent time with me today, friend. As you go from here, may you look for ways to connect with God more deeply. And may God bless you and keep you. And may God's face to shine upon you and give you peace. Take good care, my dear friends. I'll talk to you soon.